Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey everybody, welcome to this week's show. Before I get started with all the news, I have to give a big shout out to everybody that I met over the weekend. It started on Friday when I got to meet Bordy in person for the first time, and then Mike Moffitt turned out to be down at iFix Arcade as well. So I got to meet him, uh, both people I've known for a while and I've corresponded with, but it was the first time I'd met in person, so that was awesome. Also, a lot of cool people showed up for the meetup, which I always appreciate, and I love meeting everybody. Um, and one person that showed up, Dave, brought a super gun to donate. So I will be absolutely making sure that goes to good use. I'll be doing using it for testing here, uh, and then I'll make sure that it moves on to a place, maybe even iFix Arcade, where people can use it there, and uh, it won't sit on a shelf somewhere. It'll get really good use. Um, and then on Saturday, I ended up meeting with Evan from SNES Central, which was awesome. I had done the interview with him before, but uh, this was the first time of us really sitting and talking, so I had a great time with that. And then on Monday night, I got to go meet Crix for the first time, which was totally unexpected. I didn't even know that he would be in town. So um, what a crazy and cool weekend. Um, I'm so glad I got to meet everybody. Uh, I had an absolute blast on each one of those things. Uh, and anytime anybody's in New York City like that, please hit me up. If there's any way I could be around, I'll definitely make time because I just love doing stuff like that. But let's jump into the news. First up, Sony just announced the PlayStation Classic, which is exactly what you would expect. It's just like the NES and SNES Mini, but with only 20 built-in games. And the whole list isn't even released. They only announced a few names of the games. Uh, it'll be released on December 3rd for $100. And other than that, it's everything else that you would expect. HDMI output, uh, USB controllers that are... Uh, they look to be like the original PlayStation controllers, but with the USB port. So I guess we'll just wait and see if it's any good. Um, I just hope that it outputs nice and sharp. Because the one thing I noticed when I was playing a PS1 disc on a PS3, it looked like garbage. When I played a PS1, the PS Network download on a PS3, it looked pretty good. It was not bad. Uh, and then when I used a PS1 and a PS2 through the OSSC on my flat screen TV, it looked infinitely better. So let's hope that they get a good scaling on this one and we can get a nice sharp image out of this thing. A TurboGrafx-16 core was just ported over to the Mr. FPGA project. I think that's how you say it. Mist, Mr. But uh, for anybody that hasn't heard of this, the Mist is a hobby box that can run FPGA cores that's submitted by people who write them themselves. And FPGA stuff has the potential to be zero lag, which is why I've been paying a lot more attention to that lately than general software emulation. And while I do still love software emulation for its own uses, I think it, uh, FPGA support is really cool because for me, in many cases, lag is a deal breaker. So I think it's about time for me to check out the Mist project. 
Uh, I spoke to Smoke Monster as well as somebody who's selling parts for it. Uh, and I think I'm going to get a full kit and start trying this thing out. I don't think I'll have a video up on it anytime soon because it seems like a pretty big project. But it's kind of neat. And even if the cores... So here's an opinion. Maybe comment down below on everybody else's thoughts on this. But if I had a flawless emulator that emulated a console perfectly, but I had to deal with lag versus an FPGA-based thing that has zero lag and sometimes got a little glitchy. Not crash your game glitchy, but just a little glitchy. I would rather take the zero lag version in most cases. So uh, post your thoughts on that down below. And if anybody notices on the picture over here, um, just for the record, that's whoever posted in GitHub misspelled that. That wasn't, uh, that wasn't the picture on the website. Just wanted to put that out there. Sega just made an announcement about their mini classic emulation console. I guess they didn't want to be outdone by Sony, so they had to get their name out there as well. Um, but they said they were going to delay the Mega Drive Mini to 2019, and that there would be regional releases, so there'll be a Genesis Mini in the U.S. And they also mentioned that they're trying to improve the overall quality, which maybe means that they were about to release a crappy product and realize they might be able to get more sales if they put the time into it. I hope maybe we'll get some really cool features and stuff, but I have low, always have low expectations for these things. Uh, so we'll see when it gets released, but sometime in 2019, they're claiming is the new release date. Last week, I posted an interview with Yehel from Wrestling With Gaming, and the story I told in the interview was 100% true. I only stumbled across his channel about a month ago, but I really loved the video game documentaries that he puts out. And I especially liked the Jaguar one for some reason. Maybe that one just hits home with me. But uh, I ran into him randomly at an expo, asked if he wanted to do an interview, and here we are. So it was a, a lot of fun, a great interview. He's a great guy, which makes it even easier to like his videos. And uh, yeah, so if anybody that's even remotely interested, check that out. As always, of course, it's audio only and video, because I realize a lot of people prefer to listen to the interviews audio only. I get it. It's totally cool. However you prefer to, to view it is your choice. Um, just give it a chance if you haven't already, because I really enjoyed that one, and I'd love to help promote his work. I Am 8-Bit just opened up sales on their overpriced repros of Mega Man 2 and Mega Man X. Um, they're $100, and the game is exactly the same as the original. So I've, I've been wrong a lot over the years, and I really appreciate it when people put a different perspective in the comments, and um, I'll usually go back and apologize, or at least talk about both sides, but I cannot understand the allure of this. Maybe if you're a collector that likes really cool-looking things on your wall and you have the extra 100 bucks to spend, all right, totally cool, I get it. The boxes look cool, the, the cartridges themselves look pretty neat, but anybody that wants to just play the games, which apparently are identical to the original, no changes to the games, you could find them on eBay for $19.99. Uh, and it looks like, um, I'm looking at the page here, and it looks like somebody is already scalping the 20th anniversary for $186.99, you know, almost double the price. So um, I, uh, I wrote something in the article that uh, once again made me laugh out loud, and it's one of my favorite things I've written since I uh, started doing articles on the site. If you listen closely, you might be able to hear the yawns of real gamers over the scurrying of eBay resellers who are currently buying as many as, many as the 8,500 copies as they can to soon resell for a price hike. Now, honestly, when I wrote that, this was just released, and I, <laughs> the fact that there's one already in the eBay ads for a jacked-up price 
right here in that same article it makes me laugh twice as hard so please tell me if i'm wrong about this maybe i'm missing something maybe there's a lot more people out there that really just want to enjoy a mint condition brand new completed box set of this but for me as somebody that likes to play games i much rather would have seen them do things like wily wars which is something that you couldn't get as a u.s release and while it does work with ROM carts, sometimes it's a little iffy with the save games, or even like what Castlemania Games did with Holy Diver. That was a Japan-only release, and they got the legal rights to do repros uh, worldwide, I believe. So those are projects that I would like to see more of. Well, they never did Wily Wars, so I would like to see that one, and not just reprinting the same game that you could buy for $20. But please put your thoughts down below. I'd love to hear what everybody thinks. Uh, maybe I'm wrong about this one, but I'm sure as hell not going to buy one. I recently tested a project called LCD Mod, and it's essentially somebody who is patching NES light gun games to work on flat screen TVs. And although the title and the picture was a little bit clickbaity, it was 100% true. Um, I was able to sorta kinda get it working on my OLED TV, and then in corresponding with Alexi, the person who's doing these ROM hacks, um, we found out that he was using a third-party zapper that had slightly different guts to it. So I, I ordered one, and Justin from Console Kits ordered one, and his already arrived, mine didn't, and it looks like it works for him now. So uh, I think he had to be pretty close to the TV, not right up against it, but maybe not across the room or anything like that. Uh, so it's looking promising. I'll definitely do a follow-up video with the new uh, third-party zapper on both my OLED and on my LCD TCL TV. Uh, and I've been running mine through the Analog NT Mini. So it would be pretty cool to try it in, uh, in all modes, really. Once, once I get a gun that's more consistently working, I'll try it from composite all the way up to HDMI in all resolutions and see how it works. But it's pretty exciting because... Some light gun games are a little monotonous, but I would love to play the arcade version of Duck Hunt on a huge TV. Uh, it just, I think it would be a ton of fun. So uh, I'll keep everybody posted. Um, you know, the, the links for everything will be down below, not just the video I put, but the video Justin was talking about as well. And uh, Ray Commend tried it on his Plasma TV, so that's great. Now there's um, also confirmed that it might work on Plasmas as well. And it just seems like a cool project, so I'll keep everybody posted, and hopefully we'll have some cool updates by the next roundup. Jacob Proctor just posted a few videos on a SpongeBob CRT that he RGB modded. So uh, I think stuff like this is hilarious. I'm really glad Smoke Monster wrote the article about it, and uh, I enjoyed watching the videos because it's kind of fun just to see something like this. You know, being a nerd, I always really care about how things work. But if it's also cool on the outside, I really appreciate that as well. So stuff like this is neat, and uh, I'll see if I could do some more fun stuff like this myself. And I will definitely have some TV RGB mods coming up this year, or within a year, because there's a few projects that I've been dying to work on with Jose that we're just trying to find the space to keep the CRTs, which, shockingly, that's the hardest part. I've already stumbled across a few of the ones that I really wanted, but I have no place to put them. So uh, who knows, maybe I'll go up to Connecticut and invade Wes from Second Opinion Games House and just, uh, <laughs> just fill his basement with CRT TVs or something. But we'll figure it out soon enough, and we'll have some great videos on it. 
Ratboy just posted an update to his Genesis to PC Engine controller converter. And it looks like he's added a feature that will map button A to select or run, which would allow you to switch between two button and three button modes. And he's also designing another PCB that could fit inside a Genesis controller that's non-destructive. You would just swap the guts out, allowing you to put it back if you ever wanted to, which obviously is something I'm a big fan of. So great work and uh, can't wait to try some of this stuff out. Dan just posted a video on how to update your GC dual firmware to the latest GC video firmware. Um, it doesn't look too bad, it just, you know, you have to disassemble the GameCube. So if you installed it yourself, it should be pretty easy. If not, it doesn't look like something modders would charge a lot for. You really, it's just the disassembly that would take a long time. If you already have a programmer set up, it should only take a few seconds. Um, but he also announced that all of the GC duels that came in will be shipping with the latest firmware, so you don't have to worry about updating if you're buying one of the newer ones. Simon Inns just posted an example of his Doomsday Duplicator. That's the device that could be installed inside a LaserDisc player, or inside certain LaserDisc players, and pull the raw RF signal from the LaserDiscs themselves. That way you could have the, the best possible quality off of the disc in order to transcribe it to digital. He also used Chad's LD Decode software, and I gotta say, I think it looks great. Um, you know, I was really surprised that a LaserDisc could look like this. And uh, in the very minor testing I've ever done on trying to deinterlace stuff and upscale it, uh, it certainly didn't look this good. So uh, hopefully I'll be digging deeper into this and I'll be able to, to get more info on how the device works, how to make one, and then how to do post-processing that looks like that. Christoph just posted footage of the Dreamcast HDMI project running in 1080p, and it looks great. Um, there's also uh, footage of the on-screen display working, as well as a few other things. So if you're interested, check that out. And in the same post, I also have the interview with Christoph, in case you haven't caught that yet. But it's pretty cool. should be pretty exciting for any Dreamcast fans. Greg Collins just posted a 3D print design for a fan mod for the GameCube. Both because fans in those GameCubes are starting to get old and wear out, and because these newer fans are much quieter than the original GameCube fan. So using the shroud that he made, as well as another one, you could just install it right in your GameCube. Uh, and he was nice enough to do another install guide right on the website. So thanks very much to Greg, and if anybody's interested, uh, the link to the news post also links to the full mod uh, page. So just um, check that out, and you should be able to order everything right from there, including the 3D printed designs, which are posted up top. The Bliss Box Store is now offering individual cables for each console up for sale, and previously you'd have to buy them in bundles, so this is pretty easy. For anybody unfamiliar, the Bliss Box is a device that allows you to use pigtails to plug controllers from pretty much every console out there into this device, uh, up to four players, and then have it output through USB. It's a pretty cool device. Um, I have one, I haven't used it in a while, so I gotta update it to the latest firmware, which I think uh, helps with latency. And uh, I think it's perfect for emulation boxes, for use with computers, or even for testing. Um, the only complaint I ever really had about it is some of their press releases were a bit confusing, especially the bundles of cables that they were selling. But I believe now it's all just straightforward. Now you just go to their website, you could order the kits, or just the Bliss Box, or just individual uh, pigtail adapters. So uh, I think they've they've spent a long a long time and a lot of effort getting this up to the where it is. 
Because I can only imagine having all those different SKUs for all those different controller adapters must be pretty overwhelming. But um, I think they're also offering extension cables for consoles as well, which makes sense because if you already have the ability to make these, you might as well add those. But anybody that's even remotely interested, check it out because it's a bit expensive, but if you really want to use a variety of different controllers on one emulation device, this might be the way to go. There's a small production update for the six-button Atari Jaguar controllers. It looks like it's going to be delayed a little bit further because they want to make sure that some of the internal design flaws of the original controller are fixed for this production run because the team behind it is really striving to make it the best quality possible. And for anybody unfamiliar, this is a full reproduction of the six-button Atari Jaguar controllers that they called the Pro Controllers. Um, they're going to be sold for $60 with a minimum order of two. I'm still not really sure why they did that, but whatever. Um, and they will work right, off the, uh, right out of the box with the Jaguar, the ST2, and the Falcon. And with an adapter, they could work on the 2600, the Atari 8-bit computers, the Atari ST, the 5200, and uh, the PC systems. So, um, you know, I can't really imagine that too many Jaguar games would really benefit from this. But if you are looking for a six-button controller, it's probably going to be infinitely cheaper than getting one of the originals. And I've never tried any of the ones that I've seen on eBay, so maybe there's already good quality third-party ones out there. But uh, I think my gut tells me to trust this one because they're not letting anything slide. Anytime there's a slight flaw, they're, they're just delaying it, fixing it, and then making sure the production run goes well. So I'll probably pick one up, if not just to review uh, and hopefully it'll live up to all the hype um, for, you know, all, all four Jaguar fans listening. <laughs> Archive.org just added over a thousand arcade games to its Internet Arcade, which is essentially MAME in a web browser, which I find really handy sometimes, because occasionally you just need to, to reference something, test an arcade game or whatever, and rather than have to fire up a full emulation solution, you just go right to the website and check it out. If you go to their blog link, you could sort by the newest added games so you could see all the new games right on top. And it includes some really good ones like OutRun, which is my second favorite arcade racer. I think Daytona will always be my favorite, but maybe someday I'll own actual arcade versions of both of those. A PlayStation 1 prototype of The New Adventures of Superman was just found, a game more commonly known as Superman 64 for the N64. Apparently the game is just as terrible, uh, and there's a bunch of footage being posted online by GameRave. Uh, also, I tweeted GameRave to see w if they were going to release the original ISO of it, and he got back to me and said that since it's not his, he was just allowed to use it, that he won't be releasing it, but the people who found it plan on releasing it soon. So that's pretty, uh, pretty good news, because even terrible games, I, I really think it should be archived and kept for anybody that you know, is ever interested in it, but uh, anybody interested in what Superman 64 on the PlayStation would look like, uh, there's plenty of videos and footage of it. Two brand new Atari Jaguar games are up for pre-order on Atari Age. Defenders of the Crown and Treasure Island Dizzy are both games that will be available, 
And uh, they look like games that were original 16-bit games, probably on another console that used the same Motorola 68000 that were ported over. So just from the videos, it doesn't look like it's going to be the most groundbreaking example of the Tom and Jerry chips, but they still look like pretty neat games. So anybody that's interested in Jaguar uh, homebrew games or really anything cool and collectible for the Jaguar might be interested. For me personally, I just hope that developers behind games like this would offer the ROMs for sale once any uh, the uh, Atari Jaguar ROM cart, the SD cart, is for sale. Because uh, while collecting is cool, and if I had a big place, I probably would have all this stuff, I really would just rather play the games and not have to worry about a big box with all the stuff in it. So uh, hopefully the developers would be open to that. Some people have mixed views. Some developers refuse to share things like that, and especially some collectors refuse to share anything for fear that their collectible will go down in value. But uh, I guess we'll see when the SD card, uh, the JAG SD gets released. And either way, these are two pretty neat looking games. So if you're interested, check it out. And speaking of the JAG SD, there's been a small project update from Saint. Uh, he said that he's finishing up the firmware update code, which splitting the firmware into a bootloader and a main firmware. So this way the bootloader checks for an update file when it powers on, and if it does, it'll automatically update, and if not, it just boots. So stuff like this usually is the signs that a project's coming to the end, which is, uh, is pretty good because I've been excited for this for quite a long time now, which is strange because there aren't very many Jaguar games I want to play, but when I do play them, I just want to turn on the console, scroll through the library, and play it. I don't want to flash it one by one to the skunk board. I don't want to you know, go in a box somewhere and dig out games because I don't have the room to, to put them all up. So uh, pretty excited for this, and as soon as there's any... Uh, any pre-order list or anything like that, I will let everybody know. I'll probably post immediately on Twitter as well, just so everybody could have, you know, get their chance online as quickly as they can. Wow, a lot of Jaguar news this week, huh? That's, uh, honestly, I, I didn't expect that at all. I didn't even realize it until we're nearing the end of this podcast, and I probably mentioned the Jaguar like five times total. Huh, pretty cool. Someone just released a Virtual Boy emulator for iOS devices that works with Google Cardboard. Uh, so I've been wanting something like this for a while. I'm kind of excited to try it. And I realize there's been Android emulators that you could uh, use this with, but I don't have an Android phone. So now I'll finally be able to try using a Google, Google Cardboard device to play Virtual Boy games in 3D. Um, anybody that has an iPhone and doesn't want to jailbreak it, you could sideload stuff like this using a developer account. I do think that that requires a Mac, which I don't have, so maybe I could bug somebody in the New York area to help me out with that so we could fire this up and get it installed on it. But uh, I've always said that the Google Cardboard visors, some of the ones that are, are much lighter than the Virtual Boy, might make a great, great way to play this stuff. Um, and I probably look ridiculous right now, but hopefully pretty soon I'll have my phone in here and I'll be playing Mario Tennis right with this visor. Now it's time for this month's Patreon giveaway announcement. For any new Patreon subscribers or anybody that's just new to the podcast, on the first podcast of the month, I will give away something, and the week before that, I announce it. So depending on the dates, sometimes it's the last week of the previous month, first week of the next month, blah, blah, blah. Um, also, I asked Patreon if I was still allowed to do these things, even though their blog posts said that they don't allow giveaways. Uh, I emailed twice. 
and they did not get back to me. So I'm going to keep doing it until somebody tells me not to, because I really enjoy doing stuff like this, and I really like feeling like I'm giving back to the people that are supporting me. Because I say it every week, I couldn't do this without my Patreon subscribers. So um, hopefully I'll be able to continue to show my appreciation for as long as I can. But this giveaway is something that's kind of fun and kind of neat, and I'm really happy I get to give it away. This is the Super FX Multicart by SNES Unlimited. And this is the one that when you plug it into a Super Nintendo and turn it on, the, ca or the card itself lights up with some LED lights inside. And this has every Super FX game on it that runs in the exact same speed and performance as the original FX games. Um, this also includes the latest version of Star Fox 2 that uh, was from the SNES Classic. Uh, allegedly includes the latest version of yeah, whatever. Uh, but I think this is a very neat thing. I already, um, I had a few of these, so I figured it would be cool to give one away. And I already own all of the FX games on cart, uh, and I still use my multi-carts more than that. Um, because it might seem silly, but, you know, especially when uh, the Super FX didn't even work on the SD to SNES until recently, I'd much rather grab one cart like this and have everything right there, then try to dig through and get whatever game I was looking for. And, you know, while some of the Super FX games aren't exactly the uh, the best games on the Super Nintendo library, they do have a bunch of very cool games on here, and uh, including the Star Fox Competition and Star Fox 2. So anybody who wants this, please post on the Patreon post, not in the YouTube comments. And uh, I will do the Patreon drawing next week on the podcast and pull out a winner. So um, thanks to SNES Unlimited for making that for me a while back. Uh, I have a couple of these things, so now I'm, I'm going to give away the coolest one because, I mean, once you plug this thing in and see it light up, I don't even want to post a video of it now. I want you to see it yourself when you plug it into your SNES and turn it on. Uh, but I think, um, I think anybody who gets this would enjoy it. It is in a SNES cartridge, not a, uh, or an NTSC cartridge, not a PAL or a Famicom-style cartridge. And I think it might only work in NTSC Super Nintendos. But uh, other than that, um, you know, everything should work perfect. It's got the battery working in it and everything. And uh, I've tested every game on here, and they all work great. So uh, congratulations to anybody who wins it. Please remember to post on the Patreon page, not YouTube, and the drawings next week. All right, that's it for this week. Thank you once again to everybody I got to meet in the past week. Um, Bordy, was awesome to meet you in person. Mike Moffitt, you too, dude. It was great to meet you. I've been using your site since before Retro RGB was a thing. Um, of course, all the amazing people that showed up to support Bordy when he was there. I met some really cool people that I hope I'll keep in touch with. Um, and then Evan from SNES Central, that was kind of a very cool surprise, just doing some, some fun day drinking down in New York. And then the complete random surprise of meeting Cricks, that was awesome too. So, um, you know, just thanks to everybody. Uh, I really hope to continue to do meetups and stuff like this, because it's one of my favorite parts of doing this. And I always learn something, I always get to meet cool, fun new people, and it's, uh, it's always a blast for me. Um, so thanks again for everybody, and of course, thanks especially to Dave who donated that super gun. I swear, I promise it's going to go to very good use. That's not just going to rot on a shelf or something. Um, heck, you might even see it up and running at iFix Arcade the next time you go down there. But I hope to meet all of you again. I hope to meet a bunch of new people. And of course, thank you to all my Patreon subscribers. I'll see you guys next week.